I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. So we are combining three of the things we love, podcast and then story and breakfast. And specifically, we're looking at the biggest story. We tend to read the Bible like it's something boring, um, a little more mechanical, when in truth it's full of all kinds of complicated characters and plenty of room for the imaginative. Uh, we're hoping that this could open up the way we read these stories, that we would see the people in them as real people and that that might help us connect to maybe God is real too, if the characters are real. We're going to look at a bunch of different stories in scripture and just ask the question, what did they eat for breakfast? And what did they want to eat for breakfast? And we're also just going to talk about what life felt like for them in the hope that maybe we'll see ourselves in the story and we'll see a real God moving through real people. We're calling this the breakfast translation. Since breakfast is such a primary piece of conversation in our podcast, it seems right. We've been kind of holding a card back in this conversation about faith and breakfast because there is this artifact out there from contemporary Christian music that makes a bold proclamation about breakfast. Yes, and what is that? And I bet that there have maybe even been people, if people are listening to our podcast... <laughs> Which is a question. We don't know for <laughs> sure. But if there are people listening to our podcast, I wonder if there are people who, when they found out we were doing a podcast sort of about breakfast and sort of about the Bible, their first thought was, the newsboys have a song about that. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed right for us to talk about this elephant in the room. That is the newsboys song from the, probably the 90s, mid-90s. I feel like I was in high school when I heard this song. So... You don't you don't really know this song, right, Keaton? This is a sort of a new It's brand new to me. Okay. Well let's listen to this and, and see what you think about what they're positing here. When the toast is burned and all the milk has turned and Captain Crunch is waving chorus there's a lot more words hopefully everybody could you know that came through loud and clear yeah. the toast is turned the milk is turned and captain crunch is waving farewell trademark when the big one finds you which i i'm not sure who the big one is maybe that's god <laughs> or the big heart attack it's trademarked whatever when the is. big one finds you may this song remind you that they don't serve breakfast in hell yeah, I was really grateful to find out that somebody came out with a clear stance as to whether or not there were or were not eggs and toast and how. And now the newsboys have stepped forward boldly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, their work is a lot like our work, right? They're using breakfast as mm -hmm. a way to entice people towards heaven mm -hmm. by threatening to take away breakfast from them. And that's I'm that's obviously what we're also doing right <laughs> verbatim we might even need to get permissions from the newsboys because yeah. we're we're definitely trying to do the exact same thing which is to scare people into following jesus by using breakfast as an enticing thing um what, what do you think about this in all seriousness do you think there's breakfast in hell i hope so <laughs> everyone everyone needs a little bit of breakfast in yeah. their life i mean I guess one question would also just be if hell is like real, has it lives in the imagination of Christians, this place of eternal 
torture uh, is kind of a, a conversation starter, at least. Like, just wondering, what is this? What is it that we we need or we get from this idea of eternal awfulness, including lack of breakfast? Um, I think maybe if if breakfast is real, I would like to think you you still have some kind of sustenance, but maybe it is like it's always just soggy cereal. Ah, uh, yeah. Or it's just like the the regular healthy Cheerios, not the honey nut. Right. <laughs> or it's just dry. You yeah. Just have to eat dry cereal. Um, Oatmeal with no flavor. You can never get it just. You can never get it just right. Maybe. Right. You never but, get if you want um, over hard eggs or over easy. Yeah, because I do think that is a true thing about evil, which is when we see it in scripture that it's always just short of goodness. Um, and so maybe what hell is is just something just short of, like just being just outside the presence of God. And maybe it's just breakfast. And I think we've all had a breakfast like that. Like there are some, maybe you go somewhere and the, the bacon is like not quite made to your satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But it's something close to bre- bacon, which you enjoy. Like it was almost it. Yeah, but it's maybe it's just a little too soggy or a little too burnt. And I think maybe that is sort of closer to what I think hell might be like. It's, all, it's just a distortion. Mm. And I think that's also what evil in real life is, that it's just a distortion of good things. There's a, a big idea that it comes up in a Wendell Berry poem. I think it shows up in other places too, but basically like the idea, the idea that evil cannot create anything, that mm. evil can only distort what love makes, basically. So it can only, it can take something you love, an amazing breakfast. Right. It doesn't Wreck build it. a bad breakfast. Right. It just makes There's it no purely evil breakfast, but there are lots of breakfasts. Is that breakfast die what's the plural breakfast die breakfast absolutely that's (laughs) what that is uh there's no there's no purely evil breakfast there's only distorted good breakfast and so maybe hell is something more like a distortion of goodness than something created specifically anyhow there are lots of lyrics to this song we would maybe encourage people to look up because they're they're kind of nonsense yes I don't know. I, I'm eyeing one of my favorites. Are you what's as well? Your, what's your favorite line? Oh, rise up, fruit loop lovers. <laughs> Sing out sweet and low with spoons held high. We bid our brother cheerio. Yeah, beautiful. Capital C. I mean, this might as well be a commercial uh, for Kellogg Brands, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the premise of this is that somebody they love has died. <laughs> like, that's the premise of this. Mm-hmm. And that that person, right before they died gave this speech about how there is no breakfast in hell. Like, it's, it does remind me, as somebody who did survive the 90s and lived in the 90s, it does remind me, I think the Newsboys are doing what a lot of, like, rock artists did in the 90s, which is just singing nonsense. Like, most, I love the Counting Crows and have, like, a space in my heart reserved just for them. But if you really sit with their lyrics, a lot of times it's just, like, nonsense. Or like the two princes, the spin doctors, a lot of their songs feel like just words. Not yeah. not adding up. Not words that make a, make a lot of sense. This is breakfast clubbers drop the hankies, though to some our friend was odd. That day he bought those pine pajamas. His check was good with God. Which I think pine pajamas is uh, a casket, but a net, like that's not a phrase. 
that people say is pine pajamas. I, so, so what seems nonsensical to you about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of it, maybe it's also like a problem of uh, translation, right? We're talking about the breakfast translation. Maybe we have a translation problem because I think they are maybe British. So maybe you <laughs> would say breakfast clubbers drop the hankies. And maybe you would say pine pajamas in England. I don't. Or I'm going to, maybe I will start saying it now. Like if I go to calling hours somewhere and somebody has some nice pine pajamas. Pine PJs. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will not bid them cheerio, I don't think. Um, we highly encourage people to, to listen to this song, um, but not to to put a lot of theological weight on it, maybe. Or, or do. Yeah. <laughs> if you really love breakfast, at least carefully consider. <laughs> if the newsboys are right, you then and you want to have Fruit Loops for eternity, you got to really think about these things. So the story that we're looking at today is actually a, a story that I first learned set to music. It comes out of Acts 5, and it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who are a married couple. And one thing that's important to know about this story is that we're, we're entering into a time, remember we, we said that one thing we always like to do when we open up a, a book of scriptures to say in a world where. Right. And in this world, one of the, the beautiful things that's happening in this world is that the first follower of Je- followers of Jesus have created this community that is really good at taking care of each other. How so? It tells us at the end of uh, chapter four that they're actually financially making these giant sacrifices that a lot of people who owned land have actually sold their land and kind of put their money and their resources in one kind of metaphorical pot. Uh, And actually it says this really bold thing. There was not a needy person among them. Wow. That's, I can't even really imagine that. No, I can't. That's a community I'd want to be part of though. But what a beautiful idea that if, and maybe some families kind of operate like they try to operate like this, or maybe there are some communities where you see this I think occasionally like in a city or in a school community or in a church maybe you see this can happen for like a short period of time like for one the needs that kind of rise to the surface right sometimes we'll show up like we'll all take care of like this family for a while because they're going through a tragedy but the picture here is that this was like a daily practice that anytime somebody had need like they could just kind of voice that need and the rest of the community would take care of it and that it wasn't just as small as, like, I'm hungry and we don't have enough groceries this week. It was as giant as selling your assets. Right. And we're stepping into that amount of trust. And that's why this story, for as bizarre as it is, it's important to remember that it happens in this moment when a really beautiful thing is happening. Yeah, like, it's, it's central to this community right. to take care of each other and to meet yeah. these needs. And Acts, as we've talked about, is a foundational document for the church. So it's it's showing future generations like us and like what church could be. So the stakes are high. The stakes are very high. So the story is that Ananias and Sapphira have sold their land and they are posturing like they're putting all their money into this pot to help Mm-hmm. but they've held some of that back. They're only giving a portion of what they made. Yeah, and they both kind of talked to each other and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to say we're giving all this money away, but we're yeah. going to take a little bit off the top. Yeah, there's right? a little bit of uh, organized crime going on here between them as a couple. 
And what's kind of strange is that so Ananias, come, Ananias comes in first and he makes this claim and then drops dead. Yeah. That's, that's the part of the story that's maybe hard for our brains to Right, to understand. drops dead. He's, he talking, drops he's dead. talking to Peter, right? And yeah, he says, he's hey, talking to here Peter. you go. Here's all of the money. Yeah, and he falls down and just dies. And Simon Peter sees this happen. And then when Sapphira comes in, it's like he's testing her because he says, he asks her the same question to see if she keeps the story going. So he knows that this is a, a potentially deadly question that he's asking her because he's seen... It seems like in the story that this is the hand of God that's taking out the liars in this community. So he knows that God might strike Sapphira too and does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, and does he? Yes. Yeah. Ananias and Sapphira both drop dead. Yep. And so this is very bizarre. We're coming off of a story last week where we see Simon Peter and John heal someone. Right? Somebody who can't walk and suddenly they can because of the healing hand of Simon, Peter, and John. And now they're in this totally different story where there's destruction. Right. And I learned this story set to music. Yes, you did. <laughs> you don't, I'm surprised you don't know the song. I you never ne- heard it? I've never heard the song. Okay. I've never heard this story in from, yeah. like, young, from being in youth group or anything yeah, we like that. The, the church doesn't tell it that often except for the one i grew up in we had a song Uh uh-huh can we hear it okay ananias and sapphira got together to conspire a plot to cheat the church and get ahead they knew god's power but did not fear it tried to cheat the holy spirit peter prophesied it and they both dropped dead because a lot of children's music incorporated karate moves (laughs) so you had to like chop something go okay which is awesome i loved yes Drop dead. But then the song is not done. Okay. Because you go from they both drop dead. Yeah, it's not shying away from anything there. You're telling the story just like it is. Mm -hmm. Might as well be reading out of the Bible. And then you get to the chorus and you sing, God loves a cheerful giver. Give him all you got. He loves to see you laughing when you're in an awful spot. So when the odds are up against you and you cannot do a thing, praise God to praise him is a joyous thing. Yeah, you have to do one more. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I don't know if you felt that that turn. It made my palms sweat, I'm not going to lie. It's very dramatic. From God striking the two people dead to how much God loves a cheerful giver. You got both ends of the spectrum there. It was, I remember as a child just thinking, what kind of a roller coaster ride is this? Um, I also remember like reaching into my pocket and trying to find any quarters or dollar bills that I had. Thinking, or else. Yeah, it kind of sounds like if you don't give, um, God will strike you down. I think if we were to give a more generous read of the song, that it's trying to capture a, a different way of looking at the story, which is that it, God doesn't just want us to give mechanically. That God does want us to give with a generous spirit so i will give the song some credit for not being wholly and completely wrong it just feels like a dramatic shift in tone it sure does especially singing on it and when did you guys sing this song was it when you were i mean i must have been a little kid yeah Yeah. probably in elementary school so i think it's probably there's a little more tension in the story than 
I could have handled then. But I think that's also, we have a tendency sometimes even as adults to read these stories and want to wrap it up. You know, like we, we need there to be good sense around why God would strike. Absolutely. Two people down for not giving everything. Can you see any good sense in that? What would you, what would you, if you had to make sense of this, can you find any way through it? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This one, this one made me, I don't know. I felt pretty uncomfortable with this one. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, what I was holding on to as I was reading this was the, was the dishonesty that seemed to be problematic, like the, the posturing, as you mentioned. So the saying that you were going to, you were giving, and then once you went in front of people, pretending yeah when that wasn't the truth because there was still giving that was happening which has to be a positive thing but yeah but why they felt like they needed to lie and say that it was everything seemed problematic that seems like that's what god's problem is with it too right or that's what who whatever hand of god what it maybe it is the spirit of god that does this but or it's just a a rule built into the universe in this moment that you cannot lie to the church but it does seem to be not that they didn't give all, but that they faked, that they lied. Yeah, right, that seems it, to be the yeah. problem. The opportunity that Peter was giving um, Sapphira at the, after her husband had already died seemed to be, hey, if you, if you say what you did, then we're good here. But, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's also a little bit of a, gives us a little bit of wisdom just about how toxic we can be to people, you know, like, and th- not to like throw married couples under the bus, but it, you can become just like what you're married to. I think it's also true in friendship and it's also true in church community. That right, you are who you surround yourself with. Yes, and, you, and that's, we've said that's a rule in acts is you are who you eat with. And so maybe there's something here to where they, they felt justified in it because they were in it together. Right. That in the same way that's beautiful sometimes it can be equally destructive. Mm-hmm. And so we see them, we're going to see other married couples do really amazing things together. We're going to see Priscilla and Aquila serve the church and be generous and open up their home to the church. And they're actually going to use their resources to bless the community together. And they give us this really wonderful picture of a marriage. And we kind of see the opposite here, that their, their commitment to being who the other person wants them to be destroys them uh what do you think because this is part of our premise what do you think ananias and sapphira had what do you think they would have for breakfast um i feel like they would probably for breakfast eat uh, maybe a little bit more indulgently okay like whatever they were kind of feeling like eating despite what was around them like maybe picking the best piece of bacon off oh, yeah. of the plate instead of the average yeah. Run of the mill. Yeah. I could see them like trying to get fancier. Yeah. Like, kind of living just outside their means maybe with their breakfast. Right. And Eggs Benedict. Yeah. Yeah. Something fancy like that. I could also see them stealing jellies from restaurants. Oh. Like. <laughs> yeah. Which like is. Like they only need two, but they're going to put yeah, like four more I'm just going to take a purse. couple more yeah. jellies. Yeah. Which uh, actually when my, when my grandma passed away, we found like a stash of jellies of and jellies. sugar packets and all those things. So um, maybe that is part of what contributed to her her shorter life on mm-hmm. earth is that she stole jellies and sugar packets. But yeah, I think we're trying to use that question to just get at the heart of them. And I also, it helps me to imagine them, maybe this is not fair 
But they also do remind me a little bit of like Todd and is it Todd and Margot, the couple in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I have a confession. I've never seen that movie. I, I know I need a to. a real but, problem. Right. Yeah. Um, you really need to work on that. I sure um, do. If anybody else wants to help me host this podcast, you can find <laughs> us find us on Instagram at The Breakfast Translation because I keep misfired now. Uh, it's crew. It's it's can it's like canon. It's like in the I know twenty five pop culture. Although I confess I don't like Lord of the Rings, which I feel like is a oh yeah, that's and also I, problematic. Yep. yep. But I'm not saying I love it, and because if I said I loved Lord of the Rings and it was a lie. It would drop dead. That's just the rules. It's a dangerous That's game we're playing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I picture this. So there's this couple in there. The woman is actually uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus um, in, an, in an early role. But they're, they live next door to the family. And they wear, like, all black. And they go to a lot of yoga classes and stuff. <laughs> and they're very uptight. And uh, then their world falls apart because of their neighbors. But I kind of picture them a little bit. Because you have to imagine... That this is not a one-time thing either. That there was something in the character of Ananias and Sapphira that eventually got them to a place of thinking it was okay to misrepresent the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, some sort of anxiety or some sort of need that they felt. Yeah, and that there was a... That maybe it had started small. You know, by just... Maybe they had never seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but they told people they did, you know? And they just. I was honest. They, yeah, you were honest. So I'll at least give you that. But uh, it also says that it does have this, this notion that uh, Satan is a part of this. And every time we see Satan show up in scripture, it has an, it's an accuser, it's this voice in people's head, often kind of telling them that they're less than and kind of convincing them to do the worst thing. And so um, we see that. We even talked about that a little bit in our, our evil conversation, right? That that is what evil often does is just kind of distort something. So um, I also have in my head, I've always been haunted by it. This is also a passage that I learned when I was a little kid. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was, it, these are the things that are like living inside me that when you grow up in church, they just kind of sit in your soul. This was one that I just kept thinking, is this true? Because it's so such a deep idea. But it's a proverb, and it just says that a lying tongue hates those it deceives. Ah. And so it's not just about, like, doing the wrong thing, but it's, it's a violation of a relationship. And so if you think about the world of this community, like, it's not just high stakes because the world is watching. It's high stakes because they're, they've built this trust. Right. So it's an act of antagonism yeah. to, lie, to break that trust. And you think... Sense. That if they have created a setting where if you have a need, you can say it. That takes vulnerability, right? To be able to say, I can't pay my bills this month. Like takes a a level of transparency and honesty. And so if you're trying to build that, it does make higher stakes than if somebody violates that. And so I think it's also, if nothing else, maybe uh, a word to... Christian communities these days um, where we know that there are headlines, there are these awful stories that sometimes come out where people have been misrepresenting for a long time, that they have violated relationships and that they have that, that I go back to that proverb that it's not just about the act of lying it's about misrepresenting, it's about deceiving people, it's about breaking a trust that people had 
And so if you're trying to create a community where people can honestly say what they're struggling with or what they need, um, you can't have people who break that. Uh, so the again, the stakes are super high when you're trying to create vulnerable space. Um, we've tried every time to kind of say, does this change tomorrow's breakfast? Or does this change the way we wake up tomorrow to read this story? Does it have you fearful that you could get struck down? Yeah, palm, palms, <laughs> palms are sweating. Yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of makes me, saying that makes me want to sing Eminem songs, but... We've, we've Knees done weak, it. We've arms done are heavy. Yeah, yeah, mom's <laughs> spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah, we've we've done enough music on this on this episode, I think. But yeah, it has me in my head that the reversal of this awful story is just open-handed generosity. Yes, absolutely. And that 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 picture is so precious um, that God wants to protect it. So. Mm-hmm even if it leads to this kind of wild story. And I think it's not, maybe this is a dramatic moment that we would have to ask some questions about why it has to be so dramatic. But I think it's, it's also true that misrepresenting yourself, you can kind of kill yourself just a little bit at, at a time, mm-hmm. you know, by not being who you say you are. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure my community is voicing needs that I'm deciding not to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes us be people who, even could know enough about each other to know when we're telling the truth. I think about all the time when we tell each other we're fine, you know, and how often. I'm good. How are yeah, you? We have established, those are the stakes. We've created pretty low stakes communities because we haven't been that vulnerable. And so it's not as much of a violation. Um, but you think about what it could look like to have more relationships where the, the expectation of truth was so high. Um, that a violation of it would be devastating. And uh, we're going to see that, you know, play out again because these are the people that are telling the story of Jesus. So it becomes even more important that they be people who tell the truth. Because if you can lie about this, then you could lie about seeing a guy resurrect. So it becomes really important for them to carry truth. And that is for any of us who are trying to like tell the story of Jesus and keep it going is still at stake, I think, mm-hmm. in the way we present ourselves to the world. So um, also don't steal jelly from restaurants. Right. They have to, somebody has to pay for that. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks for joining us on the Breakfast Translation. If you're reading along with us, we're going to get into the story of Stephen and the stakes of his life are pretty high. And he, we just see a brief glimpse of him, but we get a long speech and a big dramatic moment on the next Breakfast Translation. The rock and the story, who found the last line?